Make a move it, then she'll call him. Forest fires, Google's ballin'. Take a chance and roll the dice one day. If you're a DM player, find you. Millennials can join this quest too. Expedition, we're gonna find a way. Welcome to another episode of Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks. This is Andy Goodman. I had a load of really wonderful call-ins after my Black Lives Matter episode, and I'm not going to include them in this episode. Um, they, they will go in at some point in the future, because I, I just wanted to leave the topic for a while and get back to gaming. Um, I think that's why most of you listen to this. Um, I don't feel particularly one way or the other about <laughs> um, sharing my political views with you. I mean, I, obviously I feel strongly about them myself, but I don't think it's a bad thing or a good thing to, to mix it in. I think it's just a thing. <laughs> We're all multifaceted, complicated human beings and, and we do a lot of things and some of these things we share, some of the things with, e with each other, um, some of these things we don't. <laughs> anyway, gaming. <laughs> gaming. Gaming and friendship. That is actually a topic that I think I've skirted around or, or, or you know, there have been many places in, 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 in the run of Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks where the topic of friendship has come up. Uh, has come up. Cummed up? <laughs> Gummed up. Gummed up the works. And um, I think it's, it's a huge part of the reason why we play games is is to deepen existing friendships, it's to find new friendships, and to, um, and to maintain, just to maintain. And over my recent onslaught of, of, of games that I've been running with, with pretty much all the groups that I've, used, that, that I've played with over the years, the thing that has, you know, the thing that has struck me most is, is really the type of friendship you make friendships you make through gaming <clears throat> look and I, I don't know if my experience is typical or even particularly common but there's definitely been a pattern for me I'm I'm an organizer <laughs> like all DMs or GMs I, I think you have to have this slightly neurotic fussy um, organizing <laughs> streak to you because really, if you think about the amount of work that the GM does relative to the players, um, it's infinitely more, both in terms of either writing or prepping the campaign, um, setting up the various tools for play, particularly online, creating a space, both physical or virtual, for playing the game for being the social secretary and calendar organiser, for setting up the communications channels, for maintaining the communications, often, not always, but often, um, for finding the players. Um, players don't... Now, that, that there are obviously cases where a group of players will be in search of a, of a GM. But 
generally speaking, as far as I'm aware, and certainly in my experience, it's the GM's role to actively recruit players and, and put them together. So if you think about all of that, <laughs> compared to what you do as a player, which is you just agree to play, roll up a character, possibly in, input your character sheet into Roll20 these days, certainly you know write it into a PDF or write it down on a piece of paper, but um, possibly not, possibly your GM gives you a pre-gen or takes your character sheet and puts it into Roll20 for you because you haven't done it yet. Um, if you think about the amount of work you do as a player, it's it's very minor. It's 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 trivial, really. Um, what you have to do is is to commit to turn up to the game. Um, and obviously, you can't always turn up to the game, but whenever you can, as much as you can. So, so if you that that um, quality of being an organiser, of being a social motivator. It has to be there if you're going to run games successfully. And if you can't do it, your games will fall apart because you you have to be the most committed one as, as the games master. Now, this is something that actually is a very um, clear signal and a um, reflection in a way of, of something in my non-gaming life is that I have always been an organiser. Um, it's often been me in the role of getting friends together. Um, the interesting thing is, with different groups of friends, the, the role can actually move around. Um, there are some groups of friends, of my friends, who someone else takes that role and then I can sit back. But quite often, it's, it's me doing the prompting and, and the organising. So... It felt natural to me then, and it didn't feel awkward to me um, to to create gaming groups. And this is something I've done now, um, in a in a pretty significant way. And I'll say this only for my face to face games because online games I think are, are different. There's a different quality there in terms of how you how you gather, but. Um, face-to-face, real world, real time, (laughs) real people, real flesh, real blood, real breath. And that's the problem, of course, these days, real breath. Um, I've done that three times in in five years. So that's quite a lot. I mean, the, the reason I've done it, the reason I've had to do it if you've been, if you know a little bit about me from listening to the podcast, is that is that I I've moved around a lot since coming to the United States. Um, we've now lived in in three different cities in in the U.S. We've lived in New York, we've lived in Los Angeles, and now we're living in the Bay Area, San Francisco. And the the really lucky thing for me, the blessing you could call it, is that all three of these are, you know, real gaming hotspots you know there's a lot there's a lot of gamers there's a lot of gamers living in in these areas here and that that has made the finding of these groups much easier than they would be otherwise I imagine um, I was looking at I, I just for some random reason I was looking at gaming groups in in Palm Springs on uh, on meetup and and there weren't any. <laughs> Not that I was ever thinking of moving to Palm Springs, but we we did go there a few times, 
Um, and I was thinking, well, wow, it's, uh, I, I kind of weirdly like the climate here, even though it's crazily hot in summer. And, um, and it's really cheap to live out there relative to Los Angeles. I don't know what I'd do for a job, but anyway. Uh, and I was, I was thinking, well, I wonder if you could find a gaming group out here. And I, and I looked on Meetup, which has been my friend-finding tool par excellence, meetup.com. Um, now I don't think it would be any good at all to anyone, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, there were just no groups, or there were no active groups, or there were very few people actually. Um, and then when I looked in, in you know, the New York the New York gaming groups and the, and the Los Angeles and San Francisco, you know, we're talking about thousands and thousands of members. So, so that's your, that's your pool to find, to find your friends from. So I've been really lucky there, but then, but it was still a lot of work. It was still actually a lot of work. Um, and I'll explain my methodology, <laughs> if you could call it that. Um, it might be helpful to people who, who are, you know, I would say I'm pretty expert now at finding gaming groups and not just finding gaming groups, but finding gaming groups that, you know, became real friends, you know, um, from, from complete strangers, which is wonderful. So here is Andy Goodman's foolproof method for finding a gaming group. And I, um, and I say that because I have a 100% record at finding gaming groups through this method. Now, this will only work if you live in a large, populated, large, uh, heavily populated area of the United States. I cannot guarantee any success anywhere else in the world. But uh, this has worked for me um, with varying degrees of, of long-term success. Let's put it that way, because they were all very successful in the short term. So... Um, what I did, and what I have continued to do, and this was trial and error, um, was I, well, let's, let's just describe the, the, the scenario to begin with, or the, um, you know, the setup, because, yeah, and I, and I've actually spoken about this in my, um, you know, many, many months ago in an early episode, but, um, it took me a long time to actually find my first gaming group, like dedicated, committed gaming group when I moved to the US. Um, I, I tried a number of different things. Um, first, I, I tried playing with my old friends who were, who were living in the States. I, I have a number of very old friends, very close friends that, that moved here. And, and we actually played quite a few games in different ways. We, um, we played um, face-to-face for, for, you know, the first few, few times we played. Um, these were all around kind of trips or visits, and um, I was relying on the pull of nostalgia to get to get them playing again. And, and you know, I'd just got fifth edition, so um, I think the very first one I played, I'm, I'm really trying to think back, um, was probably what was it? Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a Will Doyle adventure, Mind Blast. It was one of the test modules for fifth edition. That was one of the very first games I played with 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 some friends who were living in in Oakland at the time. Actually, they're still living in Oakland, but um, where we live now. Uh, so everything everything all circles everything comes back. Everything all circles get get completed, and and that was great. And then I ran 
um, I, I ran uh, the Princess of the Apocalypse with with another bunch of friends in in Pittsburgh, and then we continued playing that online, um, and it was. Uh, it was fun, but it didn't last because no one was really into it. And then uh, I also, as I mentioned, I, I, I kind of put together a, a gaming group of, of friends from, from New York, my friends in New York who, who were um, slightly newer friends, but still good friends who, who, who had all ended up in New York together. And none of them were gamers. Um, I think one of them had played Vampire, I think, when he was probably a teenager living in in Spain uh, most of them were Spanish actually Spanish and and uh, Swedish uh, yeah we we were a bit of a multicultural group um but, but the rest of them had never played or or, or uh, they they'd heard of D&D but anyway all those groups eventually fell apart so so then I did some research um and I'm not sure how but I discovered this service this app called Meetup and that seemed to be a good place to do it and and so using meetup i so he he was my method so what i did is i joined two or three overlapping rpg stroke tabletop gaming stroke dnd stroke even even a pathfinder group which I, I i didn't really know anything about and didn't have a um, an inkling about what it was and didn't really have an interest in playing it but i figured look these are all intersecting groups i should probably join a few of them because really what, what I was trying to do was um, start a group from scratch. Now, back then, you could create um, a meetup of your own um, just being a member, a, a free member. Now, um, you need to have certain admin rights. And actually, I haven't looked at it in a long time. But back then, you could just create your own meetup and, and invite people. Um, but what I realized was that... <sighs> There were, it, was, it was a place for arranging Adventurers League stuff and there were a lot of ongoing campaigns uh, that were meeting regularly with open slots so it was very much this um, open table concept which is not what I wanted I didn't want to join someone else's group I didn't really want to play in Adventurers League I tried Adventurers League once and that put me off it for life I think <laughs> Uh, it, it was not a good experience. I also joined a, 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 I joined an open table once in, in Los Angeles. Went a few times um, at a pretty well known establishment. Um, uh, I, I think a place where Teen Phoenix actually um, ran games. Um, it was uh, Meltdown Comics in LA, which I think has closed down since. Very sadly, um, I think it was also a play. That there was a bunch of stuff going on there. Anyway. The open table experience also didn't work for me. Really didn't work for me. Um, I think partially because I, I, I wasn't really that into being a player, but but uh, that's another that's material for another episode. So I kind of went in and I had to do a bit of a bit of a marketing campaign. You could almost call it spamming. In fact, I got called up for spamming because what I realised was unless you're very like pushy in a way on these forums no one really responds so what I did is I sent out lots of individual messages to people that were in the groups that were nearby that seemed because I I think your location comes up or something and I would just send out this pro forma message as it were which is why I got called up for spamming because it was really it was the same message sent again and again and again saying hey I'm I'm looking 
to set up a new uh, a new game, uh, a D and D game, or a Call of Cthulhu game, or whatever it was, uh, or just a game. Um, let me know if you're interested. I'll and, and some some general vague details about where I was, what part of, you know, what part of San Francisco or Los Angeles or um, New York. It wasn't New York's a much smaller like landmass area, um, more or less, um, or at least Manhattan and bit, and most and bits of Brooklyn. Anyway. That aside, um, it was very um, it was very targeted because I just went for recently active people within within those within those large meetup groups. Um, you can you can figure that out. Uh, also, newly joined members. I was I was pretty specific about who I went for. If someone had been active for more than a couple of months, I wouldn't bother messaging them. And so I would have to. I reckon on in in each case, I would send out possibly 30 or 40 unsolicited messages and I would get quite a decent number of replies I mean people are obviously there for a reason they're there because they want to they want to play games so I would get maybe 10 to 12 responses maybe you know from the 30 like a one in three one in one in two maybe even um people would respond and now that maybe half of those would 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 say yeah i'm interested let you know when, when are you running and then you know you, you'd end up with i'd end up with um over time i think i'd end up with about eight or nine people that would be willing to meet up for session zero um but this would take weeks and weeks of work <laughs> god it shows you you've got to be committed gaming groups are precious things they have to be forged um and and, and you've got to be dedicated to it to actually make them happen. So, um, in each case, there there would be that wonderful day, that wonderful date, when for the very first time we would all meet up in a tavern. So over the years, I've come to realise that the people that you meet through gaming, the friendships that you make, are are really different to. <sighs> Should we say standard friendships? <laughs> and and for all my friends who I play with who are listening to this, um, I'm going to be very careful here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be very careful here not to uh, say anything too. Um, I, I don't know, too provocative or or, 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 or strange, but um, they're both way more intense and way more transient and ephemeral. Um, than than a than a regular friendship, and I think the reason they are so different is that they are they are made in such a different way. If I you know I've, I've thought about it a lot that in each case where I created a group or, or, or created a, a game and, and then found a group and then we became friends, um, in almost every case, no more than two of that group knew each other beforehand and in some cases none of them none of them knew each other none of us knew each other and if you think about that that is a real strange way of 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 forming a friendship group um i suppose of course it does happen in in other um walks of life i mean um i I guess people make friends at work and people make uh friends through other hobbies but i would hazard a guess that that none of them are, are quite have the same dynamic as a gaming group even a let's say let's say you're into i don't know archery and you go to an archery club 
I don't know why I'm saying archery, but anyway, let's say you go to an archery club and uh, you hang out with a bunch of people and you fire fire your arrows. Um, I know nothing about archery, so... (laughs) Um, And and maybe you uh, get to know them over a period of time and um, the place that you're socialising, interacting is is around the archery. And then maybe eventually you'll say, hey, uh, you know, do you want to all go for a drink after... And then eventually, slowly, gradually, you might might decide that one or two of them you quite like and, and maybe hang out with them a bit outside of the archery club or or post post club drinks and that's a sort of organic normal natural way in which friendships form now think about a gaming group this is a group of people that you are if you run a home game you're essentially possibly after with with, with no with no vetting (laughs) but possibly but at most and in my case it was just one one meetup uh, where we would just sniff each other out see whether whether you know uh, we figured we could actually play with these people um, you would then invite them back to your house or your place and you would then have this fairly intense intimate social experience together and gaming is intense and it is intimate even when you don't really know each other it can get there very quickly so it is really bizarre you can get to this uh, very deep level of um, connection with someone very quickly but at the same time on a human social level you don't you hardly know them at all so it's a miracle really that that you can make these friendships with people. I suppose what it tells you is that if you set the set aside all any preconceptions of, of who who you your ideal type of friend persona is, and and you you find a common ground, and in this case it's gaming, you can actually make friends really easily. I, I, which was kind of a revelation to me because I don't make friends easily. Um, no matter how gregarious I am, um, I have certain things inside me that stop me from from necessarily opening up to people um too easily um or even particularly wanting to or, or wanting to spend a lot of time with them it, it does take time but the gaming is is the reason we get together but it's the people we game with that make us stay together and and i said that gaming groups have to be forged they also of course have to be nurtured there's a lot of work that has to go on to to maintain that group and 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 here's the truth here is the reality um in every single instance in every single gaming group and i'm sure of mine that i that i put together and and ran (coughs) and i'm sure this is the same for for everyone there is a falling off of 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 individuals you get a um you get a uh, winnowing <laughs> process, a withering away of the group because, and actually I say because, but there is no single reason, but there are a number of reasons why this inevitably happens. I, I have not played in a gaming group ever that has stayed where all members of that group have, have carried on playing. Now, I have a gaming group from New York that, that I, I met in 2015 and we are still playing together today, to this day there have been big gaps when we haven't played but of that initial gaming group um i think at least five of them we still game together infrequently but with passion (laughs) with 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 feeling (laughs) but several of those um the people in that group stopped playing in my game and and um 
that the same thing happened in LA and the same thing has happened in, in San Francisco. And I think that's just an inevitable part of, of putting together a group of people that don't have this long-standing deep commitment and deep connection because the stakes aren't there really. You know, if I've only known someone for a few months, it's not such a big deal just to peace out <laughs> and, and, and quit the group. And, and that happens. Um, and it's something we just have to accept. But it does feel strange, I have to say, because of that intensity of connection and the regularity and the commitment that everyone showed when they were playing together. So let me count the ways. These are my... I guess my observations on why people leave gaming groups. And you could categorise them into good reasons and bad reasons, but that actually isn't fair and is kind of simplistic. Um, there's probably only one bad reason, and that's that's more a bad reason for the people being left than the person leaving. I, I think the person leaving is always... It's always justified in the reason they leave. Of course they are. But I, I guess some leavings are more painful than others. So the, the key reason, the basic reason, and I think the reason why a lot of games fall apart is simply because life got too busy, that actually the game was in some ways impinging upon that person or that group's um, schedule and it was just getting harder and harder to find time for everyone to get together and and look you know you hear the refrain all the time that we're you know when you're a grown-up it's not that easy to find time and especially to coordinate time now very fortunately I've only encountered this on a couple of occasions because because really there's nothing you can do about it you can't you can't fix something to address that uh, you know other than somehow miraculously finding uh, the, the schedule that just works for everyone um, you can't really fix that if someone raises that as their reason. So that's that's number one. Number two, they weren't enjoying the system anymore. And I would categorise this slightly differently to I wasn't enjoying the game or I wasn't enjoying the group. Those are two different things for me. So I wasn't enjoying the system. I think this genuinely comes from people's predilection and desire to play certain systems that they like and 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 maybe after having tried out a new system they they don't want to do it anymore very recently um we had one of our players from from my la group who who has i hope temporarily but certainly for the moment has quit the group because he was desperate to play a sci-fi game and, and we we did run traveler for a while but it kind of ground to a halt i think that's my fault more than anyone's but he was desperate to play a sci-fi game and we just weren't ready to do do it. I'd, I'd bought the Alien RPG. Um, I still have been very lazy and not got around to reading it um, beyond skimming it. And maybe one day we will play it and hopefully he will come back then. But that was that was kind of a, let's say, a system and a, and a setting reason. Now, not liking the game and not liking the group are two very closely related things to me. Because I think you'll find a lot of players don't really care about the system. They care about the fun that they're having on the night. And that comes from a combination of, of the game itself. And I mean that in every aspect, um, from characters to setting to game system, but, but not exclusively. Um, and, and of course, the people around the table. Now, I think this is one of the... This is one of the hardest ones to take as a GM. Because essentially, someone is voting with their feet. They're saying, um, it's not me, it's you. 
you know, um, they're saying, I would be, I, I, I like this game of Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't like the game that you're running and the people that you're running it with. It's possible in some cases that that, 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 that um, you know, dislike is actually not about the whole group. Um, and, and rarely is, and it may come down to just some interpersonal dynamics that aren't working between a couple of individuals. But in a sense, that is something that would have been fixable. In the same way that changing system is, is very easily fixable, if you can be bothered to read the Alien RPG. Um, <clears throat> let's, leave, let's put that one side. But, you know, you should be able to work through any of these frictions. But it seems like game, gaming groups aren't good at doing that. Um, and I think, again, this boils down to the possible uncertainty and the lack of a long-lasting and deep trust that you have with each other that it is um, in some ways you know I wouldn't say it's transactional the relationship you've created but um, in some ways it's a convenience because you're all together because you want to play games so you're gonna perhaps make some compromises about who you want to be playing with but at some point maybe those compromises become too much and that someone that you were happy enough playing a game with turns out to be someone that you don't really want to spend time with in the end and that's sad um, but kind of inevitable as well and those are the moments where as a GM I feel like I've failed and and that's where it kind of hurts I think people also leave groups for for very personal reasons um, I think I think mental health is often um, a reason and I don't mean that the game is making them mentally unhealthy but maybe their their state of mind isn't conducive to playing games um, I, I, I'm sure this has happened to everyone over time that someone just hasn't really wanted to be there not because they don't like the people and they don't like the game but but it's just becoming too much for them that maybe that commitment actually is weighing down on them is making them anxious um, is making them depressed and um so in a way, it is the game, but it's not the game itself. I think it's just the the social contract around the game becomes too much for that person. Um, and and again, this is a this is a really sad reason. It's a it's um it's a really unfortunate reason because we would hope that we can help each other through our friendships. And when you can't, it feels like you've somehow let that person down, even though that's a ridiculous thing to think and feel. You you don't have any reason or, or right to feel that you can affect their mood in such a um, you know or, or affect, their, affect their mental state in such a fundamental way I mean friendships are important for that socialising is important but sometimes it's the last thing that people want to do um, so those are those are I suppose are all the good reasons now the bad reason I suppose that someone leaves a group is when they're expelled and and this has happened only once in my game and someone who none of us knew that was sort of brought in as a friend of, of a player who none of us had a chance to to kind of hang out with at all turned out to be someone that none of us wanted to spend time with and it was actually starting to damage the group quite significantly and I think it's worth just without naming any names just just explaining a bit about how that came about and 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 what our response to it was as a gaming group now the funny thing was i wasn't gming at the time um i had um 
you know, started this group. It was my group in New York. And I'd handed over the mantle <laughs> because my daughter had just been born and I realized um, it was it was going to be just too much of everything <laughs> to, to continue running a game. And I, I certainly couldn't host the game anymore. So um, it felt like it was a good time to hand over. And I didn't join in at the beginning. We were actually playing Curse of Strahd and I was... You know, I missed the first couple of sessions. And I'd been aware that a new player had been invited into the group. And um, it turned out that that new player, the first session I played, I was thinking, what the fuck? I was, uh, I was shocked, actually, um, at his um, disruptiveness and antagonism and deliberate provocation of the other players um, of course he was playing a rogue <laughs> and of course he wanted every every piece of treasure and every magic item it was almost like this parody of the, of that of the awful player um, I, I couldn't believe he was seriously playing that way and then when it got into him trying to impose in a fairly creepy way his will on on some of the other characters and in specific some of the female characters, that was when, yeah, it was all very clear he had to go. But I, I strangely felt that initially it's not my place to to kick him out because I'm not the GM. <laughs> you know, I was just another player, even though it was the group that I'd put together. By that time, we'd been playing for a year, so it, it didn't feel like it was anyone's group. I mean, we were all equal, equal participants. Um, and, and in the end... I had to do it because no one else was going to, and I could see it was causing, um, it was causing damage to the group because there was tension during the games, and I certainly wasn't enjoying the sessions because because of that tension. So I did a quick poll. It was a bit awkward because he was someone that was invited by uh, another player that we liked immensely, and and I had to carefully um, outline to him that his friend was no longer wanted in the group. And we were just didn't want to play with him anymore. And it was difficult and it was awkward, but it had to be done. And and look, who knows what the consequences would have been if we would have carried on playing with him. Maybe we wouldn't still be together as a group. But by and large, most of us are still together, still friends, still playing. Um, and I hope I continue playing them for, for a long time. So finding new players, bringing them into an existing group, that is fraught with peril. Um, we've been talking about it recently, um, recently um, on online with my my LA peeps because you know we've lost we've lost a lot of players from that group. So um, we lost the first two within within three weeks of starting. That was that was really weird. Uh, the, 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 these two girls who who were playing um, uh, women, apologies, these two women that were playing. Um, one of them was was very odd, very... She was playing chaotic evil, basically, um, just murdering every, you know, uh, captured bandit, straight slit throat, <laughs> um, plus torture. <laughs> uh, I would have been okay to carry on playing with her, but I think... I, I think they they took offense at something that wasn't intended to be offensive from another player, and, and anyway, they quit, so... We lost two within the first three weeks. 
And then over the over the subsequent months and years, well, there was a slow attrition. First, we lost one of our key players after after about a year, and then and then um, we actually got to the end of the campaign, and, and another one of our friends decided he didn't want to carry on playing after that. And so, yeah, we've lost players over over time, and then and more recently lost another long term player, and and it felt like we were a bit thin. You know, there was only th- three players and myself and. We wanted another player, and we were, we were thinking about who we could bring in. And in the end, I I mixed the stream, I crossed the streams, I invited a player from my massive Niall Athotep campaign to join. And so far, so very good. I, I was a little bit um, curious about how how it would work. I I didn't immediately know if the chemistry would work between the her and and these these other three guys that I play with. But it's going really well, and. Um, we talked about it for a long time about whether we wanted to bring someone else in. And I think in the end, um, it's, it's a gamble. It is a gamble. There's no question about it. That was a gamble. It's paid off. It could easily have not paid off. I could see a million reasons why it might not, but, um, but it's, it puts a smile on my face thinking that I'm, I'm not only finding groups of friends, but I'm sort of propagating <laughs> these friendships as well. I mean, in a way that's what you're doing. You're when you bring a group together, you're seeding a bunch of friendships that wouldn't have existed otherwise, not just for myself, but for them as well. And, and, and I think that is the most wonderful thing about role playing. I would not have made any friends, I think, in the last three years, just because of where I am in my life, um, my life stage. Um, casual acquaintances, sure. Baby, baby groups, uh, toddler groups, kids soccer, whatever. Those aren't real friendships, at least not to my mind. But I have made, I don't know, almost almost 20 new friendships and real friendships through gaming in the last in the last half a decade that I've been in the US and playing and and that is something I will I will treasure forever um I love you all all my players you're all loved <laughs> and um yeah I, I kind of can't imagine life without them now I got I better stop moving because at some point I'll just have made too many gaming friends and then and then I'll never be able to play because I'll never be able to find the space so so I think I want to stick with what I got <laughs> having three vibrant and, and and lively and active gaming groups that you play with on a regular basis is um, oh, it's, it's more than I could have ever hoped for more than I could ever have imagined and 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 that's why friendships are are the lifeblood essence and the all and everything of gaming. It's a game we're role-playing I'm a stranger and you're making mistakes